The people who write want an inspiration. Somebody they feel that who's genuine, who's authentic, who's talking from his heart and opening up from his heart to tell you what it is like when you're in my position, a dying position. And they never hear that. And so they write how inspiring I am, how important it was to hear me, how it encouraged them to be more open, how they're able to talk with their parents better now. They're looking for some meaningful way to live in the world. Our society does not offer that. Our society offers money, status, and power, and technology. They all can be somewhat satisfying, but basically, but not sufficiently so. I think there's a great yearning for somebody to help them find that meaning. I think that's what they're doing. This. Why do they think uh, you have it? Well, A, I'm older. B, I sound like I'm pretty wise. <laughs> we welcome you to this edition of the Tuesday People podcast. I am Mitch Album, your host and the author of the book Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast is based. 25 years ago, I had the opportunity to sit alongside my old dying professor as he was passing away from Lou Gehrig's disease, and he shared with me some amazing lessons in what matters in life once we really accept that we're going to die. And those lessons turned into a little book called Tuesdays with Maury, which I wrote to pay his medical bills. And 25 years later, uh, people are still reading that book around the world, and it has gone on to things that I never could have imagined. And I find myself still learning from all of those lessons, too. And so we created this podcast to share some of those and revisit some of those a quarter century later. And every week we take on some different topics. Today, we're going to be joined by a special guest who I will introduce right after I say hi to my friend and producer, Lisa Goich, who's alongside, as always. You're a special guest, but just a weekly special Aww, guest. Ah, Mitch. Isn't that nice? We've gotten, we've gotten, used, to, gotten used to your specialness. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I had a chance to meet Mike Baer uh, when I was doing the Dr. Phil program for the book uh, Finding Chica. And uh, Mike and I got to talking, and he's a very interesting guy with a really interesting background. He was a regular on the show, the Dr. Phil program, as well as a lot of other stuff you see on television. He's uh, what's defined as a personal development coach. But what that really means is trying to help people get to a better place in their lives, mental health-wise and, and attitude-wise. He spent early parts of his career as a drug and alcohol counselor, and about 15 years ago, founded something called the CAST Centers, a leading dual diagnosis treatment center located in Los Angeles. He's written a number of books, has a new one coming out later this month called One Decision, the essence of which is not just making one decision, but making that decision revolve around being authentic, which I thought was an important lesson because if there was one thing that I could say about Maury through all the time that I knew him as my teacher and back in college when I was in my teens and as my mentor, really, when I was in my late 30s, he was authentic. He was who he had always been. He was who he wanted to be, and even death. And the specter of death did not change that in him. 
And so I thought this will be an interesting topic to bring up with Mike, and he's joining us right now. Mike, good to have you with us. Hey, good to be here, Mitch and Lisa. Yeah. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. And, hello, uh, hello, yeah, Coach the bo- Mike. The book uh, Coach Mike is how Mike is best known. And uh, if you watch any of the Dr. Phil programs, you already know that. What uh, Before we talk about one decision and being authentic, what drew you into this world? Anyone who has seen you uh, or stood next to you knows you. middle linebacker might have been a, a better <laughs> profession uh, based on your your size and build, uh, but uh, apparently you didn't go that route, at least not professionally. What what drew you into working yeah. as a drug and alcohol counselor and trying to help people? Well, you know, it's interesting because when we're kids and we grow up, and I'm sure for all three of us, um, I don't think any of us would have realized where we might have been in our careers. Um, we kind of grow up and, you know, in first grade to kind of say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I thought that, I don't know, I thought I wanted to own nail salons because uh, I saw they were really popular by my house growing up in Orange County. And then I thought, oh, I want to be a party promoter and wanted to play basketball. And I am tall. I'm six foot six. Wow. Yeah. My whole family's tall. Like I'm the shortest male in the family. My sister's oh, my goodness. two. Oh, yeah. It's I don't know if the word would be Amazonian, but we're quite big. You know? <laughs> large. You shop, you shop large. in a large si- section. Okay. Oh, my yeah. God. I mean, by the way, and I'll, and I'll answer your question, but, lar- you know, I actually, it was so funny. I was getting dressed today, and I still can't figure out what the heck to put on clothing-wise, you know, like what matches and what doesn't. And, uh, and I, I attribute that because my parents would only let me shop at Big and Tall growing up. That was the uh. only store. Literally, uh-huh. I couldn't shop anywhere else. So my style is, I need a lot of help with that. But, you know, I, um, <laughs> well, we'll find a coach for you, coach, Mike, you know, yeah, address, addressing you so coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I struggled a lot emotionally growing up. I look at this like, you know, I didn't choose my family and my family had issues like any family. And I eventually, uh, felt empty and, I thought I just liked to party and do drugs and drink. And I went from, you know, kind of being, you know, I went to a big high school called Modern Day, which is a big basketball yeah. school. Yeah. I uh, captain the basketball team, you know, went with the homecoming queen and uh, went to play college basketball at Fordham in uh, the Bronx. But, but I had more fun. I just really enjoyed not being in reality. I mean, later hmm. in life, we can look back and, think that of ourselves and and so I just I really lost my spirit and um I got sober at 22 years old and that once I you know it's interesting I never realized how much I love helping people turn their like internal light on um but after I got sober and received a lot of humility and was willing to go to any lengths. I just found a really deep passion for, uh, I would say my art is freeing people to be a better version of themselves. I just love, I love seeing people's lights turn on or their lights shine a little brighter. Did somebody do that for you in the process and inspire you thus by doing it? Yeah, I mean, I'm very, I'm a coach and I'm, I'm very coachable. So even when you came on my podcast, always evolving Mitch, like, I was asking you questions specifically because I was having you coach me. 
you may not have realized (laughs) but a lot of the questions I was asking you because you've been doing this for so long. And so when I got sober, my drug of choice was crystal meth. And I just, anyone around me that, it's almost like I didn't want what I had, so I wanted to look towards others. And I had some people in my life that you wouldn't think would be the typical mentors. You know, like I would have very... Uh, eclectic group of people, but they just had a spirit that I was really drawn to. <laughs> and um, and that's kind of what led me on this journey for the past. I mean, it's been over 18 years now that I've worked in mental health and um, I love it, you know. Well, you're helping a lot of people and you're turning the light on for them. Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphe. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, Let's talk about the word authentic. Uh, it's a really important word, and yet it can be misused. It can mm. be used to say, well, I'm just being authentic, so uh, you just have to accept that even though I'm treating you terribly because I'm being authentic to myself. Uh, other, mm. in, in, other, in other walks, it is the absolute thing that keeps people on the, on the right path in their lives. Explain your definition of the word authentic when it comes to human beings. Yeah, so when I think of authentic... I think of, and it was the first book I wrote called Best Self. I think authentic is when we are being the most, I would say the best version of ourselves. And I think you're right. It gets confusing for people because people like to say, I'm just being real or I'm just speaking the truth. But if it's through a lens of criticism that isn't kind, that isn't helpful, uh, that to me isn't being authentic. That's just the perception of a situation. But authenticity to me is about really being in the moment. It's comfort in one's own skin. It's expressively creating and talking. And it's like really being in the moment. Like I, so for me, this sounds a little out there, but, uh, do this with a lot of my clients is is we create what's called their best self which i also call someone being authentic mine uh is a wizard i have wizards all over my house because i feel like when i'm being authentic i'm wise i'm loving i'm compassionate um it's all the positive great qualities about me that i was was waiting for i was waiting for you to say and i can also uh, turn Turn large animals into small newts <laughs> with my with my wand. Yeah, exactly. So even you know you got it. I mean, and I, I have a tattooed across my arm as a reminder, and it's a reminder for me to be that old, kind, wise soul. And it's that thing that, like, you know, it's interesting. I think so much in life we get, um. You know, and I'm sure we've all experienced this. You go into a business meeting or you go into a meeting, you feel like you're totally being yourself. And the response is not what you want it to be. And the moment where I think a lot of people get thrown in terms of 
not realizing that they were themselves in that moment, they end up trying to be someone else for someone else. And that's just when we lose our authenticity. I mean, this is a big topic. I think it right. gets used a lot. But I, I just think authenticity is, I don't see anything mean. Like someone being mean is not being authentic to me, mm -hmm. at least in my own definition of it. Right. Um, well, well, I, I, I saw this, um, you know, when I, when I visited with Maury and, and, and watched him. And as I say, he was the same when he was healthy and I was a student of his and he, he never dreamed that he would have ALS or that would be the way that he would die back mm -hmm. when he was in his fifties as he was when he was stuck in a chair and couldn't move his head and, and, and couldn't turn his body and, and needed somebody to carry him from place to place and, and, and to wipe his rear end for him and, and all that. He still was who he was that the things that were important to him, love and connection and communication and, and mentoring and teaching, yeah. um, they were, they were still important to him. And so that was, uh, I think a validation of how he had lived his life because, I would ask him, you know, well, why is it that so many people get to the point that you're at and they spend all their time saying, I should have done this, I should have done that. If I, if I knew I was going to get sick like this, then I would have done this and I would have done that. And he said, well, that reflects unfulfilled lives, lives that have been led, as you sort of indicated, Mike, for somebody else, somebody else's purpose, somebody else's idea of what success would be. And I do think that in our country, we certainly, uh, when we get out of high school, and even in high school, if you think about it, because high school is so many cliques and, and people just trying to act to, to be a certain way to belong. But then professionally, especially, we get out of high school, you go to college, it's like, well, you better study this because that's where the jobs are. And so you start veering away from maybe what interested you towards what's going to benefit you. And then you get into that workplace and, well, you got to behave like this if you want to get ahead. And you got to put in this kind of work if you want to do this. And next thing, there's all these things that just start, they're set up like, if you want, then you have to. And we don't realize that the price of then you have to is becoming, by your definition, inauthentic, right? We slowly start to drift away from who we thought we were to who we think other people feel we need to be. Yeah, you you got it. And it's really interesting right now because it's a little scary for people sometimes to be authentic because you may sometimes a lot of people, I find that a lot of people would rather go with the flow because they don't want to get faced with criticism or uh, faced with someone not like we don't really reward in the public eye authenticity. I mean, I've worked with, I worked with talent for years. So my career moved on to working with entertainers. I was on as a coach, many world tours, many, uh, in many capacities for traveling the world for, you know, eight, 10 years, Malaysia, Australia, Africa, Brazil, all over the place with people. And, you know, it's really interesting, this idea of authenticity and when somebody believes somebody else is authentic. And it's a bit confusing because I don't know if a lot of people realize what they see in the news or on the screen. It's pretty hard to judge if that's someone really being themselves. Right. But people want to believe it. You know, I, I've worked with a lot of people who 
are completely different than the way they present themselves. Completely. But people love the presentation of them being that person. And so they actually have a lot of suffering and discomfort because they're not rewarded for actually being themselves. So it's really strange. I mean, I, I think there's just so many layers to this authenticity. And I think, um, you know, it's just, it, it, it's, I think it's the struggle for everyone in this life is who am I? How do I express myself? And how do I be okay with myself? No matter what anyone else is saying to us. And it's tough, but I also believe it's where the most peace and joy lives. And right. like, you know, your experience with Maury and he's has a state of mind while he's dying. And to me, I mean, the wisdom around, uh, I'm sure Maury has more wisdom about being yourself that, than I do because he's had to navigate the length of life. Right. You know, I have so many different feelings and thoughts around authenticity. I get frustrated and I try not to, uh, I try to get my brain to constantly focus on what is working and what I do love and the people I love. And I have to work, I have to work really hard to shift my thoughts and feelings, even as a coach. You know? Yeah. Lisa, you had, you had, you wanted to yeah. throw a question. Here. Don't you think too, that we sometimes we are a different authentic and depending on what situation we're in. Like, I think that often we have to be a certain person in certain situations that isn't the same person that we are at home or that isn't the same person that we are in some work situations. Uh, you know, I think we put on these masks all day, every day. And I guess finding mm. your own authentic mask is the trick, I would think. I would like to think that I'm most me when I'm at home with my husband and with my good friends, but I'm probably a different me at work, though that is still a part of me. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that there's different versions of ourselves and there's the authentic version of Lisa at her job and there's the authentic version of Lisa at home. Like, I don't think it, I think it gets difficult when we, are being someone that is out of alignment with who we really are. So like if you're coming to work and I know you love Mitch, but you're like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I, I got to work for with Mitch on this show. And horrible, all of a sudden, horrible, horrible. <laughs> well, all of a sudden it's going to start seeping into your work, like, and you're going to be unhappy. Right. Right. And right. So, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, I think there's just, um, you're right. I mean, I, I think, and, and, and that's what I, you know, really get into in terms of talking about that in one decision is before sometimes we make decisions, we really need to settle into who we are and what decisions we need to make from a really authentic place. And I find that authenticity, if we're struggling, if we feel lost, if we're confused about, am I being myself? Am I not being myself? You know, First, we kind of need to charge it up. And whenever we're more in gratitude, whenever we have more peace of mind, uh, whenever we're more focused on the positive, we're going to make better decisions. 
you know, making decisions from a place of worry, anxiety, and fear ultimately lead to less joy. Let's talk about decisions and and one decision being the name of the book that comes out later on this month. So you say that that one decision is -hmm. to be authentic, but uh, I've watched you with uh, different people that you have helped. I don't know if you call them friends, clients, or those who come to you, patients, whatever the word might be. It depends what their manager lets me say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, But do you have a, like an exercise that our listeners can sort of do on their own if they, Mm -hmm. you know, don't get a sit down session with coach Mike uh, that, that is, is sort of a good starting point as to shake loose the, the stuff you don't need and focus on what you do. What would the exercise be? Yeah. A really simple. Well, I've, I have a bunch of exercises. I, I create. I, I, I love exercises. I well, love you're a coach. Coaches I, tell you to exercise. Yeah, I just. I'm like. Yeah, yeah. You got it. It's almost like a, it would be like a, a sports coach not having people run drills or, or, right. or, or you know. So one uh, exercise that I I really love and it works. The challenge is sometimes when things seem so easy, sometimes people just won't do them. <laughs> you mm. know, like yeah, and. But this works, and I, I created what's called the four O's, and the four O's, they each stand for something different. So the first one stands for obstacle. The next stands for opportunity. One decision, outcome. Those are the four O's. And the, the you know, in life, really, the challenge becomes, okay, what's the problem? Like, what what may be a problem in our life today that we need to address? Or are we having that tape play over and over and over again that we can't seem to shake, whether it's we're upset at someone else or we're worried about money or we can't get a job, whatever it is, we have to get it out of our system, especially when it's on a loop because we haven't figured it out. And it's a problem more often than not, because we haven't really figured out how to work the solution or how to look at it differently. So Let's say there's not, give me an obstacle, for example, or give me a problem. And I'll Uh, give you kind of, we'll walk through the exercise. Do any of you guys have a problem? Sure. Uh, Let's say that someone is overly worried about health every time they get, you know, here we are in uh, Mm COVID-19. You know, every time you get a sniffle, you think it's the worst thing. Every time you get a, a, a sharp pain, you think you have a tumor. Uh, You don't want to go to the, the, the doctor because you're afraid of the, uh, of what you might hear, but yet you're compelled to go to the doctor because you're obsessed with what you might hear. And so your health and your uh, uh, fragility, uh, you know, uh, your physical fragility start to dominate your thought process and you can't really enjoy life because you're, you're always worried about the next shoe that's going to drop well, on your health. Do, There's do, a problem. Either of you, do either of you struggle with that? I do. I think Mitch is talking about okay. me. Ah, ha, ha, ha. No, no, I don't, what, what, no, was I talking about you, Lisa? I, okay. I, I don't know. I, I don't see know. a little bit of my authentic self in that statement, Mitch. Okay, well, maybe it's the both of us then. Maybe it's uh, something okay. in the water so in this show. Both, so if you both had a, a paper and pen, do you, by chance? Yeah. Around you? Like I'm a writer. I always have a paper and pen. Okay, good. I Here, figured, click. I figured Here's so the click of the pen. As am I. Okay. okay. So what do you want to first do? The first, the first is obstacle. So right. you want to write out all the obstacles right now that are having you believe that you need to be worried about your health. 
so you you said like the obstacle is there's COVID. Right. Uh, the obstacle. What other obstacles are there? Uh, a recent physical, where you know you get some numbers that aren't terrible, but you know you start to worry about them a little bit. Uh, My recent okay. surgery. Yeah, a recent yeah. surgery that Lisa had. An upcoming Such doctor's reason, appointment, guess, yeah. you know, where you worry about what the uh, what the doctor is going to say when you get there. Okay. And so... I'm running out of space on my piece of paper. I got you. So <laughs> yeah, okay. it, no, this is great. This is great. So everything you listed out, what is the one decision that you would be making with this state of mind? What is the one decision that I would be making? Yeah. You mean like a, a, or not a, ba- a bad decision? Yeah. No, Choose not to decision, go out. Ah. Not go out. Okay. okay. Yeah, not yeah. go out because uh, of the COVID. You want to stay in my house. Yeah, yeah. mine would be, uh, although I would fight against the decision, it would be that I'm deciding to focus on that and get depressed over that, and it's clouding the joy that I should be having in, in the other parts of my day in life because I'm just mm-hmm. thinking about that all the time. Okay. So it sounds like you, there's no decision being made for you, Mitch, and and you were saying, Lisa, for you, the one decision you're making based upon this is not to go out. Yeah, like I don't really like go going out. Hide inside. Here's an inst. Yeah, here's okay. an example. Today, I have to go to Rite Aid to go pick up a prescription that's just like a regular prescription I take all the time. Uh-huh. But I'm so freaked out about going there because I have to stand in line with all those other people waiting for their which I'm going to assume uh-huh. is their COVID medicine. <laughs> so um, I'm just really freaked out about going there. But normally I send okay. my husband and let him get sick, but uh, <laughs> I have to go today. <laughs> okay, so so I got it. So it sounds like whatever it is, there's anxiety or it doesn't feel good. It, you don't feel good either yeah. way, right? Yep. Okay. Sure. So now let's just, let's just do the same problem, but it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity somehow in your life. Okay. Okay. Uh, is this that we have to do, or you're going to do this for us? I'm going to I'm going to help guide you, but I'm going to have you guys start off. So we'll we'll get to where we're going. So, what is the opportunity based upon you being worried about your health, Mitch? Well, the best opportunity, I guess, would be to develop an attitude uh, of being able to keep it in perspective and not worry about, uh, you know, what I can't control because I could then use that same skill set for other things that come up in life uh, or any other future health things. So I guess the opportunity is to sort of take it on head on and, uh, and, and figure out a way to put it in its place. Cause this isn't going to be the last time that I have to deal with this. Got it. So what is the one decision you would make in order to get your brain potentially to start thinking the way you want to think? Uh, well, if I could make that decision to just ignore it and, you know, or put it in, put it into, you know, don't worry about it until it comes up. If I've got a doctor's appointment in three weeks, don't think about it until the morning of three weeks from now, you know, uh, and, and, and don't, you know, make a decision to live uh, in the moment and enjoy right. the things that I have and not be clouded by, oh my gosh, it's 10 more days and I'm going to that doctor, nine more days I'm going to, I hear, here's what they're going to say, I know what they're going to say, I know how bad it's going to be, that kind of thing. Is that, uh, okay. is that the right so decision? So the opportunity to could be viewing your health differently maybe? 
Correct. Okay. So in order to view your health differently, you would want to make decisions to have your health viewed differently, right? Correct. Right. Okay. So how much time have you spent being grateful for what you do have of your health? Well, actually quite a bit. Uh, when you I'm, do. Well, yeah, quite a bit when I'm healthy. Okay. <laughs> quite a bit when I don't have when I don't have anything on my uh, horizon, you know, and everything seems okay. There's no doctor's appointment and no test. Um, then I am grateful that I I am that way, and I you know I I pray in the mornings, and I always say you know please let me continue to be okay. But as soon as I get a negative report or a test that worries me or an appointment coming up, it seems like I can't even find my way to gratitude because I'm, I'm clouded over with worry. Right. I got you. And, but right now is, could be the season where somehow the worry could creep in, right? Yes. Correct. Okay. So, so typically when you're in good health, you're able to do it. When you have this pattern of not being in great health, it's harder for you to do it. That's so, right. like, we have an opportunity to shift this period of time to be different than previous periods of time, right? That's right. We have this opportunity right now with you on the line. <laughs> yeah. With me on the line. Like, the universe right. created, we're like, oh, we're going we're gonna to take this moment and shift it around. Okay. So, what I would say is, do you believe, because sometimes, I mean, everyone's built differently, and again, it's whatever is authentic to you. What do you think would work for you? In this period of time, knowing you have the awareness that this is where you, you know, start to create maybe more anxiety or worry, what is a decision you could make, whether it could be writing something, it could be creating something, it could be just uh, something that would lead you towards feeling better during this period of time? Well, ironically, I have sort of a monthly uh antidote for these things is when I go to Haiti and in the orphanage I operate there, which I'll be going on Saturday. And whenever I go down there, you know, there's so many issues. We have, you know, nearly mm-hmm. 50 kids and there's, I, I just have to, uh, every minute of the day, I'm taking care of some issues for kids who clearly have it worse than I ever had it when I was their age. And I do get lost in that, you know, and, and feeling mm-hmm. like I have a sense of purpose and sometimes it even gives me strength about, you know, uh, health issues. Like, I can't get sick. You know, I can't, I can't have something bad happen. I'm needed here. Uh, and so right. my answer to your question would be, what works for me is when I can put myself completely in an environment where, like, from the minute I get up to the minute I go to sleep, I'm immersed in helping other people, particularly children. And, and, you know, when I get the chance to do that, I, I don't think about myself. But then I come home, and as soon as, you know, I'm back from that, the next morning I wake up and I go, oh, yeah, doctor's appointment. Uh, and so it sort of um, returns. So, and I can't live, I can't live there full time. And, uh, but that, that is, is what works for me the best. Okay. So, being that you're not in Haiti yet, what do you think would have you feeling better today? Thinking about going to Haiti. <laughs> okay, cool. No, that's great. Yeah. So realizing your life's work and what you're doing and you're helping people who like are have bad health conditions and struggling and you're giving your time, that makes you feel better. That's correct. Okay. 
and 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 you want to feel better because you can't do anything about it right now because you don't right. have doctor's appointments for three weeks. Right. So maybe my suggestion would be is maybe in your morning ritual or whatever works for you is you somehow bring that that you know we can't teleport all the time but it's how do you bring that Haiti thinking and experience into your daily practice hmm. a little more just like a little bit more because it works for you right well there's thinking about it there's uh contacting people there's even making phone calls to our staff there uh because yeah. again when i get involved with you know from 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 a distance or doing facetime you know and seeing mm. some of the kids and, and and talking to them and telling them i'll be there and a few days and we'll yeah. talk more about that issue. You know, that's actually FaceTime with the kids would be great medicine. Yeah. It would seem. Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, I've done that before and it does make, make me feel good uh, when I do that. And that's probably, that's probably a, a step I could take. That's uh, the one decision you could make. There's a one decision I could make. See, you're right. I love <laughs> no, that. I but feel like just, we're I feel like we're in the in the Wizard of Oz and you just took care of the Tin Man and now you have to take care of the <laughs> Scarecrow over here. You can't leave Lisa hanging. You know, no, uh, I'm good. I, all it is is, and what we just did is we reinforced the resources <laughs> that work for you. That's right. all we did. Right. It's like it's I'm right good. there, and and the better you feel, the better everything plays out for you. I know it. Look, it's very simple, but it's just. The goal is to get you to feel a little bit better, especially things we can't control. The exercise of the four O's is is a, is a very good example of you know practical things that you can do on your own. Because I, I think a lot of times people feel they see people like you, uh, uh, Coach Mike, uh, helping people there. They see they hear about oh I had this great therapist or I had this great doctor or this great life coach. But they don't have it themselves, and so it might as well be a million miles away. Maybe they can't afford it. Maybe they, they don't have the time for it. Maybe they're not in the place where there are that many people like that. But if you have these kinds of exercises that you can sort of put yourself through, they do begin to sort of reorganize your thoughts. And, and really, you know, I'm thinking back on what we just talked about. You didn't really tell me anything that I didn't know, uh, but you helped me think about it in a way that, oh, oh, that piece goes over there. It wasn't like, hey, I just created a new piece for your board. Right. It's more like, let's just move those pieces around on your board and look yeah. at it differently. And that's how other people can can help you. And I, I think those kinds of sort of exercises are very helpful for people who feel alone, especially now at a time mm-hmm. where you can't go see people. You know, you need to kind of, uh, this is, an, I, I imagine you're seeing this, uh, Mike, because you know, this has been going on now for eight, nine months that yeah. people people are having to deal with their problems uh, mm-hmm. by themselves, right? I mean, what used to be, oh, I can't wait to go out to lunch with the girls, you know, which we go uh, twice a week and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all our problems and I'll get them out there. Or I can't wait till my best friend comes over and we just sit on the, you know, around the table and we talk for a long time. I can't wait for my buddy and we go out for a beer and, and, you know, I'll get to hash out a lot of things. We don't have any of that now. And and so without those outlets, I imagine you're seeing a lot of people who are saying, you know, please contact me or call me or because I, I need human contact to help yeah. solve my problems. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, right when COVID hit, I started a group every Tuesday and it's free. 
because of this, because people felt alone. It's over Zoom. You know, we got 400 people on Zoom, another few thousand on Facebook. Last night I had group. I created something called the force in one decision. It's an acronym. I love an acronym. And it's uh, looking at the problems of the week. And are we fortune telling or are we fact finding? Basically to help people feel connected because feeling connected to others is something that is hard enough even when there isn't COVID. Right. You know, it's like, I mean, maybe if you have a loved one and there's a really healthy relationship. So, you know, that's kind of what I've done to, and I bring in different speakers every week. And I can tell you at cast centers, our suicidal ideation has skyrocketed. And so there is this really overarching loneliness, anxiety that's just there, you know? Yeah. It is uh, one of the huge casualties of COVID-19 that is very hard to measure. Uh, It's not as easy as counting how many positive tests there have been or how many deaths have been certified, but Mm -hmm. uh, it is in in every way just as real a calamity. And will, even after those vaccines start coming through, the the ripple effects of, of the loneliness and the depression that has come through, they don't just snap back at the minute, you know, okay, you can go eat in a restaurant again. You know, there's a lot of habits that you have to sort of get out of. And so uh, we're going to need this kind of help for, for some time to come. I want to ask you one other thing, Mike, before we wrap up. You know, you, you were very candid in talking about, you know, your early days and you chose uh, drugs as, as, as a sort of escape. And that's how you yeah. clearly understand uh, when you're dealing with addicts now and all the rest. I wonder if there are people who are in the middle of um, whatever their addictions may be or their issues that they, mm-hmm. they just can't get unhooked from. And one of the things that keeps them there is because they've tried to get out. They've tried stopping using drugs. They've stopped. They've tried stopping drinking. They've tried stopping smoking, whatever. And then they fall back in and they, it, it starts up again. And they get to a point where they say, what's the point about breaking free? Because it's just going to be a ticking clock until I fall back into this again. So now you sound clearly like a guy who was in it and now is mm-hmm. permanently out of it, or at least to this moment. Have, have you ever been tempted to return to that life, if that temptation comes up or those feelings that brought you to that world in the first place come mm-hmm. up, how do you suppress them? In other words, how do you become a success story? I have a lot of pride in in being sober, and I think anyone should feel pride in whatever is healthier for themselves. You know, it is, it is a loop, right. but there's always a way, you know, and I think the longer it goes on, the more progressive something gets. But the reality is anyone can change as long as they're really willing to go to any lengths. You know, the number one reason why people relapse or can't stay sober is resentment. You know, we talk about it, it's like the number one reason is it becomes intolerable because resentment internalized anger and pain. Hmm. And it becomes intolerable. And so recovery is a loose garment. It fits everyone differently. But, you know, if anyone listening is really stuck in a cycle, it's, it's, it's not giving up and it's just going, I'm going to be, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. It's it's tough thing to, uh, tough thing to get out of. Um, 
Mike, it's been a pleasure to uh, get to know you a little bit better through this podcast, and I enjoyed doing your podcast as well and, and meeting you there, and I look forward to I'd say look forward to seeing you again, but I look forward to seeing anybody again, to be honest. <laughs> I look forward to be, be seeing anybody being anywhere uh, other than this same room that I've been in, it feels like, for the last nine months. Uh, Mike's, Mike's book, uh, Coach Mike's book, comes out at the end of this month. It's called One Decision, The First Step to a Better Life. If you read his earlier books, Best Self, Be You Only Better, that have uh, done so well, then uh, you'll certainly be waiting for this one to get to you. It'll get there right before the new year, which is when people start making their decisions because what's going to come up next year. So well-timed. Coach Mike, it's been a pleasure to have you on. I hope you come join us again and uh, best of you for the holidays. Yeah. Thank you. Bye Mitch and Lisa. Thank you. That'll wrap up today's edition of the uh, Tuesday People podcast. We hope you got something out of it, kind of different and uh, interesting. I loved it. Lesson. Yeah. uh, Some good exercises there as we, as we fight, you know, a lot of a lot of feelings that come over us during the holidays, and it, it's funny because you hear the words "the holidays" and you always tend to think sort of positively. Oh, the holidays, a holiday movie, the holidays. We're going for the holidays, presents and shopping and gifts <laughs> and family and visits. But the holidays also mean a lot of sadness and a lot of depression mm-hmm. and a lot of inner um, turmoil, and with no avenue to escape that in terms of other people or going out or leaving or going to another place or getting out of the country. All those things are kind of blocked off for us. We're going to be stewing in some of that a little bit more this holiday season. So hopefully some of the things that we heard here today about making your mind up about overcoming an obstacle and making a decision and trying to get the outcome that you want from it instead of the outcome that you're afraid of will help. We hope so. Uh, We will be here again to uh, talk more about lessons learned uh, from Maury and and others uh, in one week's time. You can always find out everything that we've done in the past here and hear some of our old shows, get involved in some of our chat groups and conversations by going to wetuesdaypeople.com on the web. And until we talk to you again, on behalf of Lisa Goich, uh, my producer and friend, I'm Mitch Album saying see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.